what remained the most broken parts of Street Fighter V, and how would we change them heading into Season 4? Plus, Bandai kills it with Tekken World Tour Finals and some very impressive Tekken 7 reveals, and yes, that does include Negan. Also, Smash Ultimate is just days away from officially hitting shelves. A Capcom Cup player very well may not make it to the event. How to get your friends to play fighting games and more here on episode 28 of the Event Hubs podcast. Perfect. All right, and we are back with you this week again for another episode of the Event Hubs podcast. I am John Catalyst Gray, and with me, as always, is John Velociraptor Guerrero. What's up, everybody? I'm John Velociraptor Guerrero. There we go. So uh, we're event hubs. We like to repeat ourselves a lot. And uh, we're <laughs> going to get into repeating ourselves a little bit more later on today. Uh, but first off, I wanted to brag about my experiences playing the PC version of Street Fighter V. So it's going uh, good for you because you were yeah. saying, well, we were talking about it, I guess it was last week. And you said that it was good in a lot of great ways, but there were some big hangups. Yeah, um, I've, I think I've figured out the hangups and now my PC, uh, and I'm knocking on wood here in the background, I do that a lot around the Event Hub's uh, proverbial office here on Skype. You'll, you'll hear me say something and be like, okay, well, I just jinxed our complete existence in life and we're all going to die in like the next minute unless I knock on wood. And that saves us all from, you know, the pits of hell or whatever. Uh, anyway, um, uh, I went on a 50-win win streak in uh, Street Fighter V, and then I actually followed it up with two 35-win win streaks. And I'm actually now at Super Platinum again, and uh, I'm, I'm pulling it up right here. Uh, I actually took a shot of my win record, so you guys, if you do want to you know, see it and see that I'm actually full of, of BS right now, uh, you can look up my username as EH Catalyst. Um, and uh, I have 175 matches played, and 165 of those are wins and then 10 losses. So I'm, I'm actually very proud of that. And what going into Capcom Cup, what that's told me, because I'm in the last chance qualifier, um, if everyone I run into at the last chance qualifier is gold rank or lower, I'm going to win. You're going to win so, the yeah. whole damn thing. <laughs> I have got the whole thing on lockdown. So I, I'm pretty sure that's you know the case. There's there's definitely no you know diamond or master rank players or anything like that in there. I'm, I'm good to go. So You're going to run into mostly players that don't even play online, that if they were to boot up their online accounts, it would be rookie, but they're definitely much better than rookie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's uh, I'm going to get destroyed. I, like I said, I, I'm... I'm thinking I'm going to go in too, but that's all right. You know, that's that's okay. Uh, I just, I'm there for the experience and, you know, collecting information and all that. But um, I, uh, on a different note, though, I, I have been having just a blast playing Street Fighter V lately. Um, and, you know, haha, the, the classic is like, well, yeah, when you win at Street Fighter V, it's mm-hmm. like fun as can be. It definitely helps. And, yeah, and when you lose, you go into the pits of despair, and you hate your life, and you hate everyone around you, and that's kind of the way it rolls. So, uh, But anyway, I, I am having, actually, again, a blast just going back through the game. Um, my one-player game has gotten very good with Monat, where um, I really know how to lock people down, and I've gotten a lot of practice at doing that and not letting the other person play at all, um, which is interesting. Uh, so, so, yeah, that's what I've been doing. So, what have you been up to? What, have, what has been your latest? Well, uh, I haven't been playing. I, I turned 30 a few days ago, so uh, I've been doing a lot more social stuff as of late. I haven't been playing as much um, while, you know, holding the existential fears and, and <laughs> tragedies at bay as best as possible, you know, that come with turning 30 and whatnot. But I have been playing a little bit and uh, I guess almost strictly online. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I haven't been, we haven't had any local events or anything that I've made it out to. And I've been having fun. Um, you know, recently, I, I've, once Arcade, or not Arcade Edition, once the patch dropped where the input lag was reduced, 
I did really well for for a while, like exception, like it felt like an immediate level up. And I think a lot of that was placebo, and a lot of that was just confidence and to play the game the way that I think I should, and and not second guess myself. Because you know how much just a single hesitation oh can goodness. cost everything in a game like this. So, yeah. Anyways, I, I did uh, pretty well at that time, and I've continued to. I've leveled up. I've continued to to you know grow the uh, my my league point score and and things like that. But recently, it's very much been, and it doesn't matter if I'm playing a grandmaster or I'm playing. A, a diamond, I guess, would be the lowest that I intend to run into. I'm going two and one, so it's like I win the hmm. set, but that doesn't mean much in the movement of points because if you if you lose, you lose a lot more than if you win, probably about twice as much. So going two and one kind of keeps you where you're at, <laughs> which is interesting. And I'm I'm trying to process what that means because uh, I mean it, it's good in the sense that hey, if I'm going to tournaments and I'm I'm going two and one, it's like it's not comfortable, but it's definitely you're advancing and you're and you're still going forward in the tournament, and I think that's really important um, in the two out of three format. But as far as just total domination, I'm constantly humbled and checked because it doesn't like I said it doesn't matter. It can be a diamond rank Fang or a, or a grandmaster Cami, and I'm usually coming out two and one, mm-hmm. and uh, and so. Man, one thing I've definitely learned with Street Fighter V, and I think that it's at the forefront of my my thoughts right now because of what I just laid out, is that you are never that much better than your opponent. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's and and maybe you are a better and more skilled player, but guaranteed wins are just not a thing. And they they felt yeah. like they have been in previous Street Fighters for me, like I. But in this game, man. You you do not give any breathing room ever. You're not you you just got three perfects in a row, and then you're you're going for your fourth one, and you decide to do a style combo at the end. You might get hit with the classic, which is yep. of course the uh, my, I think Mike Ross coined it. I don't know if, if it was before him, but I I heard it from him saying that when you you've won three rounds in a row, and then you lose four rounds in a row, and you end up losing completely. Yep. Uh, but yeah, just the the smallest amount of possibility or potential can go so far in this game, and. So I've been kept humble. It's like, yeah, I've been leveling up. Yes. I've been doing better. But I know for sure that that Diamond Rank Nash can turn things right around on me, even though I've been bodying him for three straight rounds. So that's been in the forefront of my mind. And it helps you keep you grounded and keep you from floating too high up in the cr- uh, clouds and, and getting your head too big. Yeah, humility is very important. But <clears throat> something I always go back to is is we've seen more consistent play in Street Fighter Five than I think we ever saw in Street Fighter Four at the very top ranks. Um, with Tokido, Infiltration, Knuckle Dew, uh, Punk for a period of time, um, all those players have had like these very nice runs of, of just total dominance uh, where no one could beat them. And and are if they lost, it was like they got second place or whatever. They figured something out. Like when you're running up against, you know, those diamond players, those master rank players, they have a very similar mindset to you. They've they've ranked up like you. They're very good, right? You know, going through the lower ranks, I I start seeing the flaws of of you know gold rank players and you know um, uh, platinum ranked and all that. Like just I can I can really see like they have not put in the amount of time. But when you get up to where you're at, uh, where I was at formerly, uh, formerly, uh, if I can get that word out properly, there. Um, uh, you really get a much better sense of the time and dedication those players have put in to get there. And they're at a similar wavelength of you. And and so what I go back to is like, so what have these pro players figured out? Like what technology do they have that has allowed them to advance so far above the field? Because there's a lot of money on the line. We always, you know, joke about Tokido sleeping on a bed of money now because what else is he going to do with it? Right. Um, 
like there's so much more you know competition like there there's there's so much more like youtube twitch like everything like all the technologies out there like how the heck have these guys separated themselves and that's what i keep going back to like they figured out some way to to get better than everyone else and and, and i just don't know what it is and why would you give that up if you're tokido or knuckle do or whomever why would you be like oh yeah like this is exactly how i'm doing it uh here you know here's how you get way better well, um, I, I agree with you, but not for the same reason. In fact, I disagree with the reason uh, at least a little bit, uh, because yesterday, um, Knuckledew tweeted out the following. The airport customs agent really asked, my, uh, really asked me my recent tournament placings to prove my story on why I'm in Japan training. Customs uh, agent says, what did you place at Evo? Me, 97th place. Thanks for the reminder, asshat. <laughs> and and uh, and so I, I do agree with you, and I, I've spoke to this point before that I think the very best at Street Fighter Five, um, that that pool of like the top players is smaller. Um, mm-hmm. I think the pool of players in general is now bigger than it was at least in Street Fighter Four, and of, of course, you know, going back through the through the ages of Street Fighter, but the 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 players at the top are somehow able to mitigate that. Uh, you know, losing in pools randomly and 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 minimize the what we've called, I guess, like the the higher randomness factor of this game, the the mm-hmm. bigger potential for comebacks and for the volatility. less skilled and thoughtful player, yeah, volatility yeah. player to, yeah. to come out and win. But um, I I and I and I do take my hat off to them. I don't understand it like I personally understood it in Street Fighter Four. So mm-hmm. when Knuckle Do consistently hits top eights and wins tournaments left and right and Tokido and and the like, um, I still haven't wrapped my mind around how they quite do that but then you do still have well hey knuckledoo got 97th place at evo like that's right. something that you have to acknowledge and tokido for as many first places as he gets and as many top eights there have also been a handful of like 49ths and things around mm-hmm. that those placings and so i i do think that the top players have a certain uh, for lack of a better term, secret to consistency. Or maybe it's like when we were talking about earlier the volatility and the um, the fact that you can come back from from anywhere and that those little tiny windows of opportunity are, are, are so big in the way of potential. Maybe they've found a way of simply dancing around those in a way that's better than the average pr- player like me understands. And so mm-hmm. they're able to mitigate those kinds of situations, something along those lines. But I do still think that Street Fighter V has shown uh, a good bit of, of uh, was it volatition, Voli- validity? Of, of, yeah. I'm a writer. I know words. <laughs> Man, it's 2018. All you have to do is open a new tab if you don't know words. It doesn't, you don't have to actually yeah. know it. <laughs> That's hard to do on the podcast, so like, you know, we can hear, you people can hear us typing and all that. They're like, oh, man, these guys really don't know what they're talking about. It's like, yeah. oh, we'll have to go back and edit this out later, right? You know, that's, no, yeah, that's gonna, we'll definitely, yeah. it won't be, it won't make it to the final cut. No problem. There, there we go. Uh, <laughs> include your favorite fake word in the comments. Uh, anyways. Yeah, but uh, to, to go back to that, actually. It's, I looked back at Street Fighter 4's results because this is a debate that you and I have had along with the rest of the team. And I agree that Street Fighter 5 is more volatile than other Street Fighter games we've had. Yet, the results are very much like under the eye test uh, at this point in time. But I think it was CEO 2011 or so. Um, I know I have it in front of me, so I, I didn't know where we were going to go here. So yeah, I'm, I'm unprepared, uh, unprepared mm-hmm. journalist here. But um, Mike Ross and uh, Combo Fiend? Uh, uh, Arturo. Arturo, Arturo Sanchez, okay. yeah, uh, Sabin. And they had placed like second and third at that event in Street Fighter 4. And then, like, you know, 
a month later was Evo, and neither guy was in like the top thirty-two. And and I mean, this is Street Fighter Four, like the early early era. Like you know, there wasn't a, a ton of players like playing the game. You know, I think it was um, Street Fighter Five that had five thousand entrants or whatever. You know, this is you know uh, early twenty tens Street Fighter Four, just not a lot of people playing. And and yeah, and so both guys were quote unquote either randomed out or whatever. Uh, they did not place at all at the next Evo, and that's. That's all over the place. You will find a lot of, uh, of of times where that happened. Fudo came out of nowhere and won Evo one year, uh, where very few people had actually heard of the, him as a player. Mm-hmm. Um, he had won like a vanilla European uh, tournament with like Akuma before, and then like almost no one out of Japan had ever heard of the guy. And and uh, except for you know for Virtual Fighter, if you follow the competitive Virtual Fighter scene, which not many people do, um, and so when when he won Evo, everyone's like, well, who is this guy? Like you know, like he's such a household name now. Like who doesn't know Fudo, right? But but back then when he won, he completely came out of nowhere for I want to say ninety nine percent of the people in the fighting game community, just completely unexpected, and people were calling him random and calling Fei Long overpowered and way too good and and all that, and and he won by basically playing super safe and not taking any risk and all that and uh the classic of you won but you didn't really win because i have option selects that covered oh your, man it was know, ae yeah. fey although yeah. there was ae young and ae viper floating around there too um you know and, and as far as this debate goes uh, specifically between street fighter 5 and 4 i think short of well first letting five's life play out and then comparing the two like next to each other with just the numbers I think that we can both go back and find, you know, I can say, well, Infiltration won all of the year of 2012 decisively. And uh, Shen was, like, in 2013, Shen Shen started coming up and he was the guy they were talking about. And then he is the guy that won Evo, um, which is, like, a direct counter to the situation of of Fudo where no one was talking about him and he came out and won Evo. Um, And then I can bring up for Street Fighter V, you know, Mena RD came out of nowhere, won Capcom Cup, and then hasn't been heard of too much, at least not in that light, all year afterwards. Um, and and you can bring up similar instances in Street Fighter Four, and you can also bring just, up streaks in both games too. Just on the Mena RD front, you and I are definitely betting that when we're at Capcom Cup, some yeah, money I'm, is going to be on the line. I, when this I match lost so much up, money so. betting against Mena last year. I just didn't I didn't believe in it. And hey, yeah. <laughs> I mean Bison Bucks. I don't bet real money. That's illegal. I know. Oh, well, this year it's in Vegas. We can do it. Yeah, there you go. Uh, but I, I I totally hear what you're saying. It's a it's a very valid point. It's, it, it does become a point of apples and oranges, and we're going to get into this quite a bit later on, actually, uh, talking about you know V-triggers and ultras and, and kind of um, uh, some of the robbery aspects of this game, the volatility of the game. It's just it's, it's a little bit too much, and, and I, I think it does, does need to be dialed back, but that's what we also saw with Street Fighter IV. Um, ultras did a ton of damage initially in the vanilla version of the game, and I think they got toned down in almost every version. Like They, they you know had less ways of comboing into them. Um, they did more damage scaling like because of that. Like, I think there's a number of ways that they, that Capcom basically just kind of kept toning them down besides re- reducing their overall damage. Um, yeah. And so another hype thing that we had over the weekend was Tekken 7 reveals. Um, we don't and, talk about Tekken on this pod. We only talk about Street Fighter, John. Oh, right. My apologies. <laughs> uh, uh, but I personally was very, very, very hyped about this because of the way that they did their season pass. Uh, and I take my hats off to them. Again, I'm a huge fan of Bandai Namco. The work they've been doing as of late, I will just give them a shot here in the stomach and just say their website sucks so mm-hmm. bad. Uh, they don't put moves up there. They don't put official artwork up there. Like you have to dig so far to find stuff. Like it's just, it sucks. Like their English site is 
pretty much like broken and incomplete and it just blows and it's like guys like this is like we care about your games too i think your games sell more like to english-speaking people than anyone else and you guys don't like even care enough to update your website like please change that besides that i i i love bandai namco again they're my number one company um the way they rolled out their season pass was this they revealed three characters up front right Mm-hmm. And then the day before the season pass uh, characters came out, they revealed all six of them. They're like, hey, you know, Marduk and Armor King are out. Uh, and, you know, they're, they're going to throw Julia into the mix. But, like, they told everyone right up front before you had to make that commitment to buy the season pass. Here's everyone. And that's exactly what I was hoping for. No mystery of, like, well, you know, who else am I getting if I plunk down my 30 bucks to get a season pass? Um, everything is up front uh, well, they, at the they moment Well, they gave them two characters, and they gave them Negan, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, that we'll get into that in a little bit but that was a uh, that was a bomb and in, and I think a very smart PR move and a very smart move to get people to to play and buy the game um, and and this has been something that we've been exploring the presentation of your season pass the presentation of your DLC characters SF5 got a lot of or Capcom got a lot of flack for doing it in SF5 the first two years because they didn't reveal the characters so we were plopping down a secondary 30 bucks um, and, and, you know, the community wasn't exactly happy with the game as it was for the first $60 to get characters that they didn't know whether or not they wanted to play or cared about. And, um, and then they fixed that, right? In, in Season 3, they, they told us everybody right off the bat before even Sakura was dropped. And, uh, and then they, they sped up the process and they got all the characters out by early August, which was very much different than uh, previous years. But it has become a thing. Like, this is part of the fighting game formula it's just matter of fact at this point that there's going to be additional DLC characters and the presentation and the execution of it are very much important parts of your gameplay, of your gameplays or your game's longevity, I should say. And, um, and Tekken and Bandai Namco has continually hit it out of the park with, with their approaches. You're, you're plunking down half the price of the game that you're expected to pay. In most cases, $35, I think, for Dragon Ball Fighters, but 30 and and for many people, Season Pass. A lot of fighting game fans are happy to do that very clearly because almost everyone is doing the Season Pass model now. Um, make sure people know what they're getting in there. Be upfront with it. Um, don't, you know, like, oh, okay, well, I'm getting, you know, Urien in the Season Pass, but I have no, you know, no idea who else I'm getting. It's like, you can't do that to people. You know, you can't, it's basically a bait and switch at that point. I mean, you can do whatever you want, but it's it's a bad look for your PR. Don't do it. It's terrible. Um, and Bandai Namco staggered their announcements. Here's the initial, you know, season pass characters. Here's three of them. And we're going to reveal more of them in the future. You know, get hype. And, and that brings us actually to Negan. Um, and I'll quickly talk about Marduk and, and, and Armor King. Uh, I thought the reviewer trails were... were, were uh, uh, trailers, I should say, were perfect. Um, Harada comes out there. Michael Murray comes out there. Uh, they both do a really good back and forth uh, yeah, um, with the translation and just kind of humor and all that. Uh, I really enjoy their presentation and just kind of the pageantry of it. And then Negan comes out. I don't watch The Walking Dead, but I'm familiar with the scene that they replicated, and I enjoyed every single minute of it. I was... I was right along with him. I'm like, dude, like the, he, he's doing it. Um, it looks like the the actor um, whose name is Jeffrey Dean me. Morgan. There you go. Um, it looks like he recorded all of his lines and stuff there. Like his animation looks great. He's hitting people with the bat. It's not like too much violence kind of gets to me, especially with the very realistic graphics. Um, and, and, you know, uh, but the the Negan animation looks great. Like they they put in his moves. It's not graphic. It's it's brutal, but it's not graphic. You know, um, I I loved it, and, and it it really got me hyped to see season two of Tekken Seven. Yeah. Now, when it first dropped, um, 
it was a lot of hype around it. If you went through the comments section of, say, our story or other forums, um, and then also in my own just little circles of, of you know, Facebook chats and, and places like that, it was a lot of positivity, but maybe 20% or so of people saying, I thought that was boring, or I watched The Walking mm. Dead and I didn't think that was great. Um, I think it was Majin Ten Shinhan that said, yeah, I, I don't even watch The Walking Dead, uh, but I thought it was kind of lame and boring and awkward. And, and I know exactly what they're talking about. Now, hmm. I'll start this whole thing by saying I think that Bandai's call for, for Negan was a bit bold, but was smart, successful, and executed, mm, maybe not perfectly, but well enough that it's going to do well. Mm-hmm. And so hats off to them. But if you've, if you've seen the, the show, and, and I'll try to keep spoilers at a minimum here. But uh, Negan's like most most iconic moment is the first time we meet him because and then there's this whole build up to the characters don't even know who he is um, and he they he finally has them and they've been captured and now the hammer's about to come down and we're meeting him for the first time he's got this barbed wire bat named Lucille and he comes out and he's got all the characters just like in the Tekken reveal trailer lined up on their knees and you're going okay we're about to lose one of the few. Uh, characters that we care about because yeah, obviously the, the the show is is similar to Game of Thrones and that you're gonna lose characters that you really love um, and you just don't know when and uh, and we're like this is gonna be a moment where that happens well it happens and he actually offs two people the whole thing there though is that's one of his maybe two or two and a half physical altercations throughout the entire time he's been on the show thus far and that I've seen I've seen about uh, maybe two two and a half seasons featuring Negan and the the allure of him as a character is his potential for violence and his just damn outright charisma and swag and delivery the way he is so successful as a dictator and he's a bad guy right but there's the times where you find yourself questioning you know like what he's saying especially considering that they're in a zombie apocalypse makes a lot of sense man and i'm not so sure that he's all that wrong and he does it with this charm and a smile and the and the way jeffrey dean morgan delivers his lines right with the it's just like there's a certain there's a certain up and down to them that really capture your your attention. He does the Negan lean if you've seen and and they replicate all of these things in the trailer, but not perfectly. And I think that that's where the quote unquote boredom or the I don't really get what they were trying to do there comes in because it's one thing to have a good actor present this 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 scene where you've had an entire season or you could say i think that was like season five like five years worth of build up to this point where you're worried about losing a character that you've fallen in love with and you've had all this build up um you know in the in the trailer you have the tekken characters and they actually get up and start fighting negan so you can see him actually in action um and and they do like they have like you said they have him deliver his lines and that's pretty good but and they do like the negan lean and the negan pauses but it's it's not quite the same thing when it's being delivered in a video game trailer and i think that's where the main disconnect comes from going forward it's an homage like it's and, I, and I that's get, appreciated I what you're saying. that's appreciated like, i but it's a video game it's like you sit back and enjoy the ride like that's me and i totally again i i totally hear what you're saying it's just sit back and enjoy the ride like you don't have to crap on everything it's like oh, it's have an you homage seen the internet people <laughs> okay that is a damn good point, and I'm going to shut my trap right now. <laughs> you own my soul there. You're accurate, but not correct, because yes. 
<laughs> because you're you're right and 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 thank you so much bandai because you know i wonder how much time it took to do those little things where they where they have him do the little the negan lean back and and the the delivery and the lines having the animation match up to that and how much time they're gonna they're gonna spend on these little particular nuances to really bring this character as people understand him to life in Tekken. And it's like, I give them maybe a six or a seven out of 10 on that front, but the fact that they even tried it and the fact that they kind of basically did it, and and yeah, it didn't capture the magic of the actual show in the moment, you're probably right. never gonna do that. So, right. so butt out, internet. Um, but that's where I think people's complaints are coming in. Outside of that, the fact of the matter is he's not been a physical character. He's had one or two altercations and and otherwise he has his lackeys do it or he doesn't actually do anything when you think he's going to. And 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 really he's he's just not been that physical of a character. There's a lot of potential. He's like, you know, he's wearing a leather jacket and carrying around a bat wrapped in barbed wire. In fact, when the character was first revealed, I remember having a conversation with uh, the whole uh, Event Hub's team about, man, what a great character that would be in Mortal Kombat because you could mm-hmm. do a little more with a barbed wire bat and they've had so many horror icons in that series. But all in all, I think Negan was an amazing call because everyone is at the very base level is going to go, hey, I saw that guy on the TV. I want to play him in Tekken. And I'll I, even as much as I've looked at this and pulled it all apart, there is very clearly a part of me that goes, hey, I saw that guy on the TV. I want to play him in Tekken. You know, and then and then it only goes deeper from there. So I think that this is going to drive DLC sales. I think it was very smart to tease him, even though he's the final character to come out. I think Bandai Namco has a is showing that they have a very good grasp on the market on how it's evolved to get to this point with this DLC presentation and execution and and revealing. And I'm very excited to see what continues to come from them. And I hope that everybody else is paying attention and and mimics that to a certain extent in the fighting game realm. Well said. Uh, another thing that we had happen at the, the Tekken World uh, Finals is that we um, had Rang Shu. And the pronunciation on this is, is very much... Uh, all over the map. Uh, listening to the broadcast, it wasn't pronounced the same way like more than like twice, I think. Um, and so, uh, but anyway, the the panda player is is how I'm going to refer to him from this point on. He actually lost in winter semis with uh, with with Fang and with Geese. And then he comes back through top eight and he won every match that he uses Panda in. And it was just like, it was very hype. Uh, we've got the the clips all up on the website. Like, oh, go back and check them out. Go watch a broadcast. It was really fun. Um, but some might think actually that that winning with Panda in Tekken 7 is about the same as like winning with Alex in Street Fighter Five. Not quite the same here. Uh, he's very, or she, I should say, is very low tier. Uh, Panda's a girl. Uh, uh, but... Tekken runs kind of a little bit more balanced. Like the characters all kind of, they don't, in my opinion, they don't go too far outside of a mold. Uh, they all kind of have like a, you're not seeing anyone, you know, go back there except for Akuma. They're and, like, all Chuck playing the same balls. damn game. Yeah. Right? Yeah, pretty much. That's, that's kind of how I look at Tekken at least. And so, Pon- uh, Panda, I almost said Panda, that would be kind of cool. <laughs> like, variable pronunciations there, right? Yes. Um, anyway, uh, Panda is, um, uh, She's not very good, but the fact that that Rongshu won with her is is really nice, and, and it's just very fun, and it's a reminder for all of us to sometimes take a step back of how we look at tier list and how we look at viability of characters, and and play who you want, play who you want to have fun with. Uh, there's a whole plethora of history in the fighting game community of people winning with bad or low tier characters because they put the time in, and. and this person uh, winning Tekken, you know, the Tekken World Tour, uh, the the final event of it, like 
it's a story in itself, but the fact that, that he used Panda in tournament has kind of blown it up to even a bigger thing and you're seeing a bunch of stories now on the internet about like panda like it's a low tier character it's like you you won with a bear dude that's crazy you know and and people are getting hype about that like that fact alone um you can stand out in a crowd you can make yourself a very unique and special thing even beyond your wins in tournament uh by playing a character that's special and unique to you and and let you you know express some of your personality and get a different look out there i've always heard well, for over the last couple of years or so, and especially in the last six months, I think it's been, that Tekken is a game where there are very clearly the characters that have stronger tools than others, but there's more or less no one in the game, uh, no character, I should say, that can't win, which is interesting, because they have a pretty hefty roster. I don't know the exact count off the top of my head, but and I think that what you said there is um, about about them basically all being somewhat in the same box, mm-hmm. unlike a, a lot of other games where you try to go out and you make a character different for the sake of, of you know, you know, you want to have a, a you know pretty pretty extended boundaries and and you want to have a varied experience and I get that, but when they start to go out of the parameters that your game has set and they start to play by rules that aren't i mean they're, they're the rules of a game are unspoken they're not official but you kind of they they emerge and then you bring in a character like fong who all of a sudden in street fighter 5 has a damage over time mechanic i remember talking about him when he first came out or when he was on his way out that he's either going to be ridiculously good or ridiculously bad because when you bring in someone that does something differently than everybody else on that severe of a level they either rise straight to the top or straight to the bottom most of the time um, that's, I think, why you see, like, Dalsam, who's been kind of grandfathered in as a very different character, but he's just accepted now, and that makes sense. Um, but he's usually not that good. And if he is, like, the times that he is good, he's, like, he's really good. But it's usually not that those kinds of characters float around in the middle. They're usually at one extreme or another. If a, if a Street Fighter character is playing Marvel, like, you know, if they're, they're C-Vipering or Rashiding all over the place, they're, they're probably going to be um, with a little bit, they're going to have a little bit more potential. And it doesn't seem like Tekken, you know, save for the fact that Akuma's around um, and has a lot of his Street Fighter capabilities in a, in a 3D fighting game, um, that, that they've, they've really figured out, I guess, a basic approach that keeps everyone somewhat close together as far as tiers go. Now, yep. that doesn't take away anything from, from Rang Chu and his ability to win with a character that is lower tier. I don't think we've ever seen this character win a tournament before. I don't even know if we've seen her in top eight. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's still a very exciting um, experience. And, and Tekken continues to be, I think, the most hyped fighting game out there whether you understand it or not or whatever degree Hmm. you understand it for some reason the game is just so digestible on a level of of processing the hype that it's exciting it's very exciting and uh, i tried to talk with the best of five guys a little bit yesterday about that and um and they were saying like we were just kind of throwing out reasons as to why that might be the characters are pretty pretty largely presented on the screen they take up most of the screen and so the action is mostly on them maybe the way that you know the hit sparks and the screen shakes the move interactions might be that and of course the slowdowns at the end that's not everything but that's a huge part of it they've really made it into a spectator sport i don't know if previous tekkens were as hype or not it seems to be the same basic formula through and through but i'm not a tekken head and i don't you know I, i might not pick up on the nuances like someone that is but I really do think it's like the most exciting game to watch, whether or not you understand the deeper goings on of the game or not. 
Yeah, Dragon Ball Fighters is still my number one, but I, oh, I do appreciate boring what Tekken to me. is. Oh, I love Dragon it Ball Fighters. It takes forever, but... and it's the, so much repetition. Well, well, let me throw this out at you. Okay, so let's take a character, uh, Paul, in, mm-hmm. in Tekken, and let's take uh, Kazuha. And, and and what are the main differences from those characters and their movesets? I don't know. I know Paul does a lot of punches. Yeah, and so does Kazuha. I mean, it's just like it's the the characters' move sets like to me aren't varied enough. Like everyone does as again oh, we're talking about very that. similar. Yes, very similar. But it's and when it's they just, hit. Uh, it's like it's like boxing. Boxing yeah. is still very exciting, and it's two guys that aren't allowed to use their feet, and they're just punching at each other, and yet people yeah. care because I think maybe what it is, and I haven't sat down and explored this enough, so this is just me, you know, firing off the top of my head. But maybe it's that it's so simple that we can understand that like if you extend forward you're leaving yourself open to be hit and then you can appreciate when the other guy manipulates something like that now in street fighter that's all going on in dragon ball fighters that's all going on and even in marvel maybe i'm not sure that's all going on but it's very hard to identify that if you're not very um very deeply immersed in that game in that culture you don't understand the goings on of it in Tekken, you know, you see someone go low and somebody jumps over it and, and or like, you know, hops and, and hits them or, or just barely spaces themselves away and then, you know, retorts with a hit. And then, you know, of course, you have like those slowdowns that, that highlight that even further as someone's mo- like missing with one punch and the other punch is coming up and catching him in the jaw. I think the the mental back and forth, which is what we've talked about so many times here, and the, the, the most exciting and rewarding part of fighting games is perhaps most evident in Tekken, at least to me. Hmm. And yeah, in I, Dragon Ball Fighters, there's just flashes all over the place. It's very like Marvel, and, and I can yeah, appreciate it. Marvel. I know when they do something yeah. good or not, but, uh, but man, I, I just think Tekken takes the cake. Yeah, the the argument I would make there is a, and again the same kind of character mold. You you take a character like you know Ryu, which most people know, very iconic character, and you put him up against someone like Zangief, and you can tell right off that their fighting styles are, are polar opposites of each other. Mm-hmm. One of them wants to get in close, the other is you know kind of a zoning, like gonna toss fireballs at you, kind of trap you type stuff. Um, and you you see the the variance in style there, and it's very apparent. Again, with Tekken, you're you're doing a lot of the same things over and over again. Uh, after watching 16 hours of a tournament, you that gets a little bit tiring. More so when you have a lot of varied systems and approaches, you 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 know it, it stays more fresh, in my opinion. See, uh, the most I'm watching is a top eight. Like I, I'm I'm never sat through an entire Tekken tournament. I've seen highlights. I've seen top eights. So yeah, and yeah. if you're covering a tournament and you're watching 16 hours of it, I don't care what game you're watching. I bet it gets to it gets to weigh in on you. It gets it definitely it can get more stale than other situations. There's a Maj intention hand, and I have some very very bad memories of Tekken Tag Tournament too. Uh, I I love Tekken Seven. I think it's a terrific game. I think it's the best Tekken game they've done in recent memory. Um, uh, I think Tekken Tag Tournament Two is complete and total crap. Complete and total <laughs> com- unwatchable garbage. Uh, I know a number of people in the community who have to to work with that or had to work with the game. Uh, they'll remain nameless and they just completely trashed it behind the scenes. Uh, that was not a good entry in the franchise. It just was... Ugh. But I don't want to get into trash Tekken. Like, I, I think Tekken 7 is great. Uh, the slow motion stuff is some of the most hype stuff in the community, the way they designed it. Harada and, and the Bandai Namco team, again, wonderful. Uh, it just I continually take my hat off the game. I'm just, you know, poking some holes in it from, um, from some of a viewer, viewership, you know, point of view, basically. Mm-hmm. So, but getting into another game that's very hype, we have Smash Ultimate on the horizon, and that is going to be out here this week, just here on Friday, December 7th, and we are looking at maybe, just maybe, the biggest launch in fighting game history, and 
I I know, I know, but this is this is seventy characters over seventy characters. Like it depends on how you want to you know count echoes or whatnot. Like it's yeah, it gets a little dicey there. But uh, we've never seen a launch with this many characters like that are this this iconic. The way the game is structured and the way it's played, Nintendo looks to be having some whispers of actual esports involvement here and getting with it. Like um, I am. It it does depend on eye of the beholder here, but I I wonder if this is the biggest launch in fighting game history that we've ever seen. Um, I don't know. So, but but the what amount do you think? the amount of obvious work. Well, okay. So you think of Masahiro Sakurai, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, you see that the guy's a workhorse, right? And and looking at interviews and what's been cranked out for Smash Bros. games in the past. He's worked himself to, into the hospital. I know you've done that kind of a thing before. Uh, People go yes. hardcore. And, and you go, well, I can appreciate that someone would work hard and pull 60, 70, 80-hour weeks maybe. But, I mean, it, it, like to go to this level, like the guy has made himself sick. I know Ono has done that too. It's like that, like, some, pretty, some pretty notable figures in the fighting game community have done this kind of a thing. But, man... The guy just goes above and beyond every single time. It's to the point where he must have not only sold his own soul to the devil back like with Brawl, <laughs> but he's like promised his his like first, second, and third offspring at this point mm-hmm. because because the the guy is doing like superhuman stuff when it comes to just how much time and effort and and work is going into these games. And it's it's immediately apparent. We haven't even played the game yet. But just at the statistics, just at the numbers, you have every character ever plus more plus DLC characters incoming, like uh, over a hundred stages, all that music, and and it's so beautiful to look at. And it's just it, it appears that every I has been dotted, every T has been crossed, save of course for the one leaked copy that somehow made it out, and, and Nintendo's been really going after. Uh, but you see how much work's gone into this and you can't expect anything less than wow this is gonna be a big deal and we can kind of see it we can kind of see it through a scanner darkly see it but you can't appreciate it until you actually get your hands on it you see what the community does with it both casually and competitively but yeah you're right and 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 for those of you that that acknowledge smash as a fighting game myself included uh it might very well be the biggest fighting game release we've ever seen yeah. And deservedly I, so. Yeah. I really want to see if Mango, Leffen, Armada, uh, Hungry Box finally migrate away from Melee and, and get into the brand new Smash Ultimate. And I think what will happen is if um, Nintendo finally backs it with esports money, finally says, you know what? Okay, we're going to do our own pro tour or we're going to support like some stuff that's out there. The model's already there. Capcom has established it. Capcom built a pro tour when no one else was doing it. They did a phenomenal job and continue, in my opinion, to do a phenomenal job. Big shout outs to Capcom USA. Your esports staff is incredible. Uh, I love the work you guys do. Um, you guys have been the torchbearers for our community in so many regards. It wasn't that many years ago. We did not have this Nintendo copy what they've done, do exactly what they've done. Uh, it will lead you to a very good spot. And if we see the gods of smash, all playing the same game and we get to watch those guys go top eight head to head every single like week you guys it's just the earth explodes it the hype there it's so much fun watching top in smash where where you know we finally get to see zero and armada play when they are both taking the game as seriously as each other that will be incredible so i hope that happens i have my fingers crossed on that um but yeah uh, if if you guys are you know looking forward to we've got a ton of smash ultimate content on the website 
coming up pretty much constantly. Uh, we've got weight raking, speed, air, uh, like how fast you know characters move around, all that kind of stuff. Tiers are going to be on launch day. We've got so much content coming about this game. Uh, Adaptive Trigger and Dark Horse, they are our two main Smash guys. They do a great job, and we're going to be bringing uh, Adaptive Trigger on here very soon to talk about Smash uh, post-launch and just kind of really get into it. Um, but Talking again about Smash, we actually might have more announcements here coming at the Game Awards, which is on Thursday, where we have rumors of Mortal Kombat 11 potentially being announced there, and then also more Smash announcements, which Nintendo just like officially tweeted out, hey, tune into the Game Awards. Um, coincidentally, we we did vote in the Game Awards this year uh, as Event Hubs, as a uh, an outlet uh we were trying to put fighting games on the map like officially get them out there in front of people uh we spoke with the game award staff like and you know just to make sure like we're we're trying to hype up fighting games to the masses out there and so we took part in the voting um but tune in on thursday you guys will see the awards all that stuff but you also might see some major announcements for two big time fighting games mm-hmm. yeah that, that that's something i'm really looking forward to as well um i also wanted to point out since we uh, we brought them up the deck adaptive trigger justin you guys know how like back when a new halo game might come out or i mean even when red dead or, or one of the bigger titles of, of recent times drop and people call in from work or they uh, or they don't go into school for whatever reason and he's like oh they're home playing the new halo game well uh justin is just straight up requested the day that smash comes out off it's like well <laughs> that game's gonna <laughs> that day is gonna be particularly uh probably pretty busy for us we're gonna have a lot to handle yeah i'm, I'm gonna play that game and you know exactly why i'm requesting that off and and he will be off that day i, I handle the the scheduling and whatnot but as that's how that's how serious he is he's like hey work you know that that deals with fighting games and on the day of the uh the biggest release potentially ever i'm gonna take that day off and play the game yeah <laughs> but but knowing justin he's also going to be online he's the entire be time like, being like, tech hey guys, the whole day yeah like, like, justin you're not supposed to be working right now no well but look what i got look what i found yeah the guy's a workhorse he's he's just yeah. he's done so much for the site and specifically in the in our smash bros branch of things he's He's the heart and soul of all of that. So yeah. hats off I, to him. I literally have to tell the guy to quit working. It's like, dude, you've been here for too long. I go away. You're working too damn hard. Like, uh, we love you, but go away. <laughs> you can't do this anymore. <laughs> uh, but yeah, big shout out to Justin. And, and Dakota, of course, as well. Uh, newer staff member, but very much coming in and, and doing some great work on the website. So very yeah, happy. Yeah, he's our other big smash guy. Because uh, without them, we're kind of like, oh, so... Uh, fair what does that mean and and, yeah. and so yeah they, they they very much carry the torch in the in the smash realm for us mm-hmm. let's see i had something that i wanted to bring up um just kind of briefly not necessarily breaking news in the fighting game realm but something that's worth examining because we've talked a lot over the years about why this particular genre which is older than a lot of other genres you know like the the first person shooters and such i, I mean uh, more or less, you can you can get into arguments, but it's been around for over thirty years, and then that's pretty long in video game terms. Um, and and yet you have the fighting game genre and the way that esports work, and, and the fighting game community being as big as it is. But then you know Counter Strike, uh, well, I guess you say first person shooters and MOBAs, and and you know like games like Fortnite just passing it very quickly and by a very large margin. And it's like why aren't fighting games uh, being played as much? And then of course the the first argument you'll probably hear is, well, they're hard to get into, and that's uh, that's absolutely true. Um, well, there was a uh, this guy, 
by the name of Marcus Turner. He's got a YouTube channel called The Cosmonaut Variety Hour, and he explored the appeal of fighting games. And I won't go too far into it. You can actually check out the uh, the story on our on our homepage. It's probably on the first or second page. Um, if you dig through a little bit right now, but he likened the whole experience, basically his, his central argument, and there's a lot more to it than this, but his central argument is like, it makes you feel like the main character of an action movie. And by that, he means, uh, when you're playing another game, you're oftentimes on a team, at least when esports go on, or, um, or you don't have as much control over what goes on. Like if you're playing Hearthstone, which is also very big, a lot of those card games, you have a certain amount of control, but then you're also at the mercy of the draw of the deck. You know, like you might have a perfect deck, but then you get a totally crap draw and you can lose to somebody because of things like that. Uh, and then if, if you're playing MOBAs, maybe a team member didn't really pull their weight or made a stupid call and then you lost because of that. Um, in fighting games, it's your story. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get to make the call. And, and yes, there's certainly, that's not saying that there aren't random happenings in fighting games. We talk about that constantly. <laughs> but you are at, at a certain level more at the helm with fighting games than any other kind of, well, maybe not any other genre, but a lot of the other genres in esports. And if you look at it from that point of view and you get to express yourself directly through these characters that you're putting up on the screen, there's a little more novelty than I think people at least immediately entertain. And it's something that's really worth kind of exploring. I, I really enjoyed watching his video and, and kind of putting, you know, listening to his story there. There's a hardcore personality part of fighting games that they allow you to express yourself in ways a lot of other genres, like you can do it, but the character you pick and how how you pick them, do you play like a total asshole like me? Like I'm a total asshole when I play you in fighting <laughs> games. I want to I want to abuse very spammable tactics and throw them in there and frustrate you and just make you make you hate your life and hate your like you know existence and whatnot for that you know 30 second you know 60 second period of time and then you know if you have questions about how you know like how to improve and all that like I'm, I'm always willing to to you know give it a little shout out direction and all that um but i i do want to frustrate the other player and just you know it's it's i i don't know it's part of my personality right like to mm-hmm. be kind of a Kind of a bastard, right? I guess well, that's what I'm saying. I'm kind of a bastard. And stuff from players like Knuckle Dew and, and right. Punk. Yeah, you can express yourself and get into the mind of somebody else, and you have that direct pathway to right. do it in fighting games. And not only that, but the character you choose to. Why do you? Why are you picking Rufus and just dive kicking people up? You know, because <laughs> some men it, just want to watch the world bad. Exactly, exactly. So there's there's so much in there that you, there's a lot more freedom of expression, and I am very, very, very biased towards fighting games with this. And I'm sure that you know people from other jobs would say well you know there's this and that you know with first person shooters and all that but that's what jumps out to me as a lover of fighting games and like I don't know I've been going through this like retro kick lately where I've been remembering you know Street Fighter 2 Street Fighter 3 um, Mortal Kombat you know World Heroes like all these old games I used to play Samurai Showdown and, and just the the memories and just they've been hitting me really hard and like that that love of just the pure adrenaline rush that you get in these games and it, as you say it's just you and the other player it's a one-on-one like classic you know movie fight or whatever type thing action hero and, and you know how often does it come down to that in a movie or whatever and and just getting that 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 same old nostalgia feeling it just hit me really hard and I'm, i've been loving it like it's it's been great 
Yeah. So that video, it he actually had the same point of view earlier in his in his gaming career, where it's like I played it, it was hard, I didn't want to play it anymore, and then revisited and and had this new point of view that turned everything around. And, and the actual title of the video is why you should play fighting games and how. So whether you're the the person that's kind of wondering if if that's you directly, or you have friends that game that don't really like fighting games, um, I. I recommend you share this you watch it and you share it with them and see if it doesn't you know maybe uh have a few light bulbs go off that from from angles or perspectives that you or your friends didn't have before because i think it's uh, it would be really great if more people could see the these kind of games like that and thus we could grow the scene even further and start competing with the numbers and such of mobas and fps's and and that damn dirty fortnite game <laughs> all right so a little bit of a transition here now uh, a kind of a sad note. Well, and with the potential that it might turn out better than than where we're at right now, but so the Latin American regional finals play out. Well, maybe about a month ago now, and yet another player out of the Dominican Republic, an Akuma player by the name of Crossover, wins the event, qualifies for Capcom Cup. But then just yesterday, he tweets, "I can't make it because of visa issues. They've turned it down. Um, they're they're not giving me." Uh, clearance to to get the visa to be able to go and attend Capcom Cup. I'm very sad. I'm I'm crying right now. He said uh -huh. in his in his tweet, and Capcom responded and said we're working with Crossover right now. Um, they they put up a tweet, a couple of tweets yesterday. The most recent one says we're currently working with Crossover RD for a solution to his visa issue. If it ends up that he can't attend Capcom Cup, we'll be looking at the next eligible player based on the placements of the regional finals top eight. We'll have this uh, situation figured out soon. Um, their other tweet said that it is our understanding he will be attempting some kind of last appeal. We will update when we have a final decision regarding his status. Um, so, so that's what I mean when I say that there is a possibility that he still might make it in. He's doing some kind of a last appeal, but uh, gosh, really unfortunate because you know you you really want to see these these new bloods come. And of mm -hmm. course, you're going to have your Tokidos, your Luffies, and and you know, you know your your reigning champions and whatnot. But the Latin American scene until recently hasn't seen as much representation. And then of course, Mena's win last year was huge for them. And we talked about not only him winning and, and as amazing as that was, but what it did for their scene, what it did for for the Dominican Republic. You know, like the 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 amount of money that he won, the fact that he got recognition from their president, um, mm -hmm. it's been a big deal. And it's put the uh, the Latin American scene on the map. And so it's like all of a sudden we have this whole other avenue of for players, for great players to come out and add to the competition. And that's been wonderful. So you hate to see like, you know, kind of a, of a, of a pothole here in that storyline. Hopefully Crossover can make it. But, you know, visa issues have been problems for a lot of players in, in recent times as esports has been growing. I know a lot of times you can get athletic visas for, for professional athletes, and so they're kind of hoping to entertain the same idea with with esports athletes or whatever we're going to call them. Um, but, you know, there was a few years ago, Leffen couldn't travel to the United States for like almost a whole year, and we've, we've heard there have been visa problems with other players, I think from Latin America, um, all over the place. So this continues to be something of an issue. I would hope that it's enough of an issue that it puts this on the radars for the people that can do um, some significant things about it for the for the suits or whomever it would be that this would fall on to, to kind of find a fix for. Because um, it does feel like this is probably just a growing pain of an emerging entity and that eventually mm -hmm. we'll get past this as esports. But for the time being, man, like it sucks for this guy, especially when you hear, man, I was crying when I was writing this tweet. And of course yeah. you would be like, you have the opportunity to be in Capcom Cup and rep your country and no one's really heard of you outside of your locals. And now you get to be on the world stage. And, and even if you go 0-2, it's like, man, I got to go to Capcom Cup and, and yeah. as a player, as a competitor. Yeah. So... 
uh, man, uh, we're hoping for the best to come out of this, but if not, at least the lesson learned and at least progress to be made in the future because um, it, it really sucks. And people say that, oh, you know, Capcom only cares about like, you know, these players or that and stuff. This The, the tweet they put out there again is proof that they care about their players getting compete, getting to compete at Capcom Cup. Uh, again, with crossover, they're trying to get them there. They have a history of working with players, with governments and other things, trying to get the players that are supposed to be there at their events and, and get them in the door. Uh, again, a big shout out there. I know people take some issue with different things that they do, but when when the chips are down, they really do try to get the players that are that are supposed to be at their competitions at their competitions, and they go to great lengths often to do so. Um, people should be. T- their hats to Capcom on this one for for putting forth that effort to get them there and, mm-hmm. and it is appreciated yeah for sure on another note we uh, got a few more reports here from Xkira about potentially another netcode update being in the works for Street Fighter 5 and what he quoted here was that it's similar to Marvel versus Capcom Infinite's netcode but improved and I know there's a lot of people that complain about the netcode in the game I personally think the netcode is is pretty good. It's not amazing, but it's pretty good. Um, the bottom line there is if you struggle to play other games online or, or you you know run into lag issues like all the time, you're going to run into that. Like There's nothing anyone can do to eliminate lag on your end, but there are things they can do to optimize it and make the experience better. And I'm happy to hear that Capcom is doing that yet again. Um, I definitely think there's some things they can iron out probably with just how lenient the game is in terms of like, you know, letting more rollbacks kind of happen a little bit more um, accepting of legs so it doesn't mess up with your timing and stuff so I'm glad to see they're optimizing further and then another thing that Xkira mentioned is that we might be seeing story mode volume 2 which could be cool Uh, I thought the first one was very Street Fighter-ish and and that's like trying to squeeze way too many characters into one kind of like story plot thread and like having it make pretty much no sense at all and being almost impossible to follow and so you start like getting to isolated incidences of of like Zangief blocking a katana blade with his chest hair and that yeah. being awesome yeah, that, that's great like I enjoyed it for what it was like it was a fun ride but I still like I I tell people to kind of like describe what it was and people have asked me to do it I'm like oh yeah like there's some chess pieces and then there's like this <laughs> moon death star type I was thing gonna and, say moon yeah. was my next key phrase or key word from that but yeah and, yeah. and water sheep and then out of that yeah. I forget I think the bad guys lose um, but yeah. who knows and who yeah. cares there's this I did it girl, for the fight yeah. money <laughs> that, that little girl like that is related to Chun-Li I completely forgot about who's like a central figure in the entire thing I forget what her name is like but she's in like the supercomputer at the end of the, the game and I'm like, oh, yeah, she was a central figure there, completely in one ear, out the other, because it's just not memorable and didn't make sense. So hopefully they fix that this time around. Just focus on, we, we were talking about this the other day, uh, Dudley, Elena, uh, a bunch of other characters in Street Fighter do not have good plots to work with at all. Elena joins the tournament to make new friends. That is her <laughs> thing Dudley gets his car stolen by Gil it's like oh boy okay you you guys are like like we okay the game's coming out in like a week what do we do like okay here's some like pull some plot threads out of it you know a hat and okay Elena gets this one and Dudley get yeah. okay don't you don't have to do anything with that we understand that those characters plots don't make sense and they don't we don't need them to but we also don't need Elena yeah just oh, just, just saying 
Killing. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> um, uh, the the central plot of Street Fighter is actually fun and entertaining. Like Akuma, Ryu, Ken, Goken, Gotetsu, they have actually a very cool plot that a lot of people know and care about. And we saw it with Assassin's Fist. That was a really fun and entertaining show. Like focus on that make the other characters have like cameos or do whatever like they don't need to be involved like just focus on the stuff that people actually care about which has never really properly been told inside of a game before like you we've never seen that happen so why not do it for the first time with your fifth iteration of the main series <laughs> it's yeah. all digging five games right but anyway just do that like i don't think anyone's going to complain uh no one's going to miss zangief blocking a katana with his chest hair too much uh i will but i'm the only person and and go that route but but yeah yeah i agree and i don't know who who are you doing that for at this point because I wonder how many casual players that we talk about these one-player modes and and them appealing to to them or maybe the kids that aren't you know that that are just in the store and they're you know their mom or their dad are going to pick out a game for them or they get to pick out a game and their mom and dad buys it like they're probably going to be more interested in a in a story mode and such but I feel like we've established that, that ship's probably more or less sailed so cool i mean if it if it adds to the experience fine i think that the arcade modes added to the experience it at the very least checked a box that needed to be checked like i actually haven't even played through all the arcade modes um and we've had the game for almost a year now with them and it's like that's just not my thing but i can see why they're there um with another story mode especially if it doesn't get fight money because uh the the way they've got it figured out now the the single player modes really don't give fight money i don't know that a lot of people would play it so it's an interesting call to me. It's like, fine, if it makes other people happy, I could take it or leave it completely because that's not why I'm playing the game, but I'm also not everybody. All right, so, John, let me throw this at you. I, I get what you're saying here. Now, what if the story mode goes back and Ryu and Ken are being trained by Goken and you're allowed to control Goken and kind of train them and, like, they're like, how do you do a fireball master? And you're just like, boom, like that. How do you do counter into super? You're like, here you go. And and would that appeal to you? Would counter that into super? No <laughs> one. Does. If if they put in and they said, "How do you do the Velociraptor special?" I might, I might appreciate it a bit more than I just put forward. But um, I mean, actually, the game as it starts up right now is like the Goken's like the first character you see in that little right. side story thing. But um, now, okay, there is that's something that's fair. And in what I just said beforehand, that's under the understanding that Capcom has, has at least in their fighting games it's never really done a good story man and it's never mm-hmm. been about stories yes and and so it's been about the player's own personal stories as we talked about earlier mm-hmm. right and why you should play fighting games but i expect it to be like a worthless zangief breaking you know swords on his chest here and that's the coolest part which don't get me wrong that's great i remember that but mm-hmm. also I don't want, you know, your dev team spending weeks and weeks and weeks developing this when they could be putting, like, an extra character or two into the game or something along those lines or, or fixing things up. And the game is, is in a pretty good spot right now. Uh, it's it's like we've been playing catch-up for a long time, and now we're finally at a, a spot where it's where things are, are maybe ahead of schedule even. But uh, I, I, would ha- I would hate to see them fall back behind because they're working on a new story mode if it's of the same caliber. Now, if it's of an all-new caliber and it, it adds a new dimension to the Street Fighter story canon, and then, oh yeah, absolutely, that'd be great. That'd be something worth you know writing about and exploring and talking about and maybe playing through multiple times and, and remembering because it's cool. But I just 
completely put that off the table because I'm like, well, that's not going to happen. So I don't know if we should do that. So why why would you put that off the table with Capcom, man? I don't understand why why are you putting that down from the get go? But yeah, no, there's some they're, really yeah. they're so good at putting forward potential. Yes. I've talked about before, oh, like they're great the, at that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there could be so much. Nikali could be such a good character. Right. Sacrificial altars, the name of one of his moves. Um, <laughs> the, the you know, there's the mask, the the mask of Plali or something. Lolly, I don't know how you pronounce it because it's this weird Aztec term. It's like, what's that? Well, that's probably going to pop up in his history too. Why does Bison have white hair? Ooh, let's wait for the storyline to figure that out. Uh, Why does Kin look like a freak? Yeah, <laughs> why does Ken have bananas in his hair? Right. But then they 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 almost never deliver. And and I yeah. do think that like Assassin's Fist and the storyline of of what you just were getting at, Goken and Akuma, their stories, and then how they go their different ways. Gotetsu, why hasn't Gotetsu been in a in a Street Fighter game yet? That character is so cool, at least in theory and thinking about it. He's like the grandmaster of the grandmasters. It's like put his ass in the game already. But it's cool. He's cool until they make him a water goat. Then, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, he'll be he'll be an oil goat, you know. So, but but uh, I, I yes, okay. So so sure, if they did it right and it was an amazing new addition to the game that brought something new to the experience, of course. If it gives me thirty k fight money, fine. But right. if it's if it's nothing and it's just like well, we're just doing it because uh, we didn't think anything else we could because we could, then no, nah, get out of here with that. Do do something better. The thing is, is, is Capcom can do single player. Like, look at Resident Evil, look at Devil oh, May yeah. Cry. I mean, they can do it, and they just need to bring in the right people and and put in the right effort to it, and it could be killer. And this might be Ono did speak about it, and he was asked about Street Fighter V's initial story mode that they you know had hyped up uh, and wasn't ready for launch and came out you know five months later or whatever. And he's like, well, this first one because they're they're like, is it going to be on the level of an NRS game basically? And that uh-huh. that is a gold standard in our community. Uh, period. Um, NRS does a great job with single player content and he's like no he he even like flat out said like yeah like well he didn't say no but he essentially said like yeah we're we're not aiming that high f- at first but we're hoping to do that the next time around mm-hmm. the next time around I kind of took more of Street Fighter 6 and not this but Again, you're, you you mentioned it before, Capcom is great at selling ideas. They are great at selling a concept of, oh, get hype about this. Now here, be disappointed by the actual, you know, what we've delivered. But here it is. But yeah, uh, so we cross our fingers and hope. Um, uh, I get hype about Capcom stuff and... Well, to your own own misfortune in the future, the air will be let out of your tires more often than it will not be. But hey, if you want to go that way, you can. (laughs) One day they're not going to disappoint me, John. One day, I'm telling you, but probably probably not with story mode. (laughs) Uh, So another thing that came up here um, is uh, Abigail has a pretty bonkers setup where he gets a combo on you and he lands one hit. I call it his wheel kick because I don't know what the heck it is. He does a backflip and he kind of hits you with his butt and with his well, legs. Well, it's, it's not his sweep. It's, yeah, he it's runs not sweep, and he does his front jump flip kick. Thing. Yeah, I call it a wheel kick because I'm an idiot. But anyway, uh, so if he hits you with it one time, uh, it basically, uh, no, it doesn't basically, it outright makes it so you can't change your wake-up timing. So, uh, so by it, one time, you mean, because it, it's a two-hit attack, right? He hits you with like, attack. So his he butt and then his foot. But if yeah. it only hits you with one, then you can't quick rise. Right, that's correct. Um, and you have to get up with, like, I think, delayed or normal timing or whatever it is. Like, it's it's impossible, if it's done right, to to delay your timing. And that means that, I don't know, around half of the cast can only counter it with super because uh, Abigail has meaty unblockables. And this allows him to charge up a full-on level three uh, stand heavy punch if he's, you know, if he sets it up correctly. And if he's just, in V-Trigger 1. 
Yeah, and obliterate you, which he's never not in V-Trigger 1, so that's pretty <laughs> much it. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, so I was curious about this. Brian F. did a great job documenting it. We've got it up on our website. Very easy to find. Um, Brian F. is the only guy I know on the internet more salty about Abigail than I am, so I was just <laughs> cracking up. It, the, the way he delivered his lines, he was like, yeah, he's like, I'm going to out-fundamental my opponent by just doing medium blockables all day. And I'm like, oh, man, you are so good at your – yeah, anyway um, – so I, I went back and I tried to find some examples of this. And actually, Storm Kubo landed this on Sako at uh, SCR 2018, Abigail versus Not. And and what had happened is the first time he got it off on him, uh, he landed perfectly. He actually won the round. Um, uh, Storm Kubo jumped out to two early games. It was 2-0. And then I think he was up one round. And then like uh, Sako made a clutch play and got out of it uh, and ended up and, and brought the set back 3-2. And well, he got out finish. of the setup? Um, he didn't get out of the setup, but he got out of uh, getting involved in that setup. The okay. setup is inescapable unless you have super. And actually, at one point in time, um, uh, Storm Kubo went for the setup, like at least I thought he was going to, and then he saw Sako had uh, the super built up, and he didn't go for it. And so he ended up going for a, a cross-up instead. Mm. And and I'm like, okay, that tells me these guys know this setup, and they know it very well, because that's a setup that you have a couple of frames to react to and get out there. And so if you know it's coming, you can get a super out and counter it, but if you don't know that's coming and you don't know it's inescapable um you don't have time to super you know it's it's a couple frames you just you're not gonna be able to pull that out in a few seconds you know that split seconds that you have um so anyway it's it's a bad setup it's another example and we're about to get into this here uh, of of something that really should not be in the game but it doesn't break the game thankfully it's it's been done uh, a top level abigail players know about this and have known about this it's really dumb it needs to be patched out uh, abigail is dumb but we'll get into it here in a second so that brings us to the most broken and terrible aspects of Street Fighter V that we hope are changed for uh, season four here. And and that is, again, one of them um, right at the top of my head. But on that note, we've done this a lot on the podcast, and that is we've gotten into our own personal vacuum of what impacts us and how we feel about the game. Like what matchups and what characters do we despise and, and how we do that and I really want to get away from that because it's unhealthy. It doesn't it doesn't examine the whole ecosystem of the game. It doesn't equate for Vega players that are stuck there at the very bottom of the tier list or a jury player or whatever that are like, okay, hey, that's fine that you want to, you know, balance it from the top down or whatever, but like what does that do for me? You know, I'm I'm still stuck and and playing this crappy character. And it's I found like it just it creates too many holes. It creates too many gaps and things that we should be discussing and I still I so I Going forward, I want to get much more into dis- discussing the entire ecosystem of what we should be looking at and, and and how this impacts everyone. And we will still get into like certain characters and certain matchups like that has to be a part of it. But um, so the, the main thing that I want to kick this off with are V triggers. Um, and V-Triggers, in my opinion, I love the system. I think they're great, but they are such a heavy reward for almost no risk at all. There's pretty much no risk with activating a V-Trigger, um, or at least, you know, if you get it on block, it's almost always plus. That's not a bad scenario for anyone in the game. Um, and and it, this goes to something that you said about no one being balanced around V-Triggers because it almost always will backfire. Uh, because these moves have almost no risk with them at all, when you make them dominant, your margin for error gets very, very, very small. 
And we've seen it now with characters like Monat and with Abigail. They have two very dominant V-triggers that are two bars. And and they can control the entire game, entire sets, them to the point where people are saying, hey, the match doesn't even start until these characters have V-trigger. That is not good, um, especially, again, with moves that carry almost no risk with them. It's like, why would I not activate Monat's orbs? You know, like, what's when has Monat ever, like been in a situation where she's like she can't activate and she doesn't because it's she's going to die for it like that doesn't happen (laughs) there's no risk whatever whatsoever to basically activating them almost at every point in time i think maybe if you're point blank and you can't get a normal out like then you can't activate right because it's like you know negative five or something to do a raw activation but i mean that those situations are so few and far between it's like just stick out a normal and then you're plus 10 billion and you're good so you're you're faced if you're the developer you're faced with I need to have something that makes my game fun to watch that's flashy that's cool and the V triggers uh, and the comeback mechanics have have been the place that developers tend to go uh, at least in recent times to to achieve that and Street Fighter V's V triggers have been an issue and it's been on people including Capcom's radar we had season two where we had robbery characters that were it was just. Like Tokido said, it didn't matter. In a match with Balrog in Season 2, the whole match didn't matter, or the whole round didn't matter. It was just a race to win Balrog activated V-Trigger, and then it was a question of, does he hit you or not? Because if he mm-hmm. does, you're dead. And the same more or less was true for like Laura and Urien, and, and now it's kind of that way for, for Abigail. And they've they've already fixed those issues, a lot of those issues, and they've been paying attention to it. And and even you know more broad than the V-Trigger issue, we've had problems with stuff like anti-air jabs, with uh, throw loops, and Capcom's attended to that. So the game's already in a pretty good place relatively speaking um considering where it was like it's not to say that capcom is just completely ignored or anything like that they've been making a lot of progress and thank you for that Mm -hmm. it's more along the lines of hey if we can make it better and we're doing it we're continuing on this road why not continue to sharpen the edges so that's kind of the the point of view that i'm coming in here for but back to the v triggers uh it's a fine line that you walk between making this good making it something that's fun to watch and not making it something that the character winds up just basing everything around because it is their big bad gun that's going to come out and it comes out late in the round and it's there for the sake of comebacks first and foremost. Mm-hmm. But a lot of these are not, first of all, they, they don't even necessarily need to be used as comebacks because some characters can can get to their V-trigger because their V-skills are so good mm-hmm. um, without even taking you know a, a ton of damage. So that's maybe one thing, one avenue to explore when you're talking about balancing these and making them worthwhile um, or, or making them, uh, what, what do you say, more efficient, more balanced? Yeah, one of the, the, the things that I, I'm very adamant about now is if you have a very strong V-trigger, whatever it is, no matter what, it has to be three bars. And I think that's a lesson that needs to be a complete consistent across the board. Uh, And it goes back to V-triggers are so dominant and so powerful with pretty much minimal risk uh, associated with them that if you make a two-bar V-trigger that's very, very good, it has too much potential to be game-breaking. We Mm -hmm. saw it with Laura in Season 2. We're seeing it now with both Abigail and Monat in Season 3. That should not exist. Um, If you, if Capcom's like, you know, listening, going, hmm, like maybe we should make this next character like Rose have a two-bar V-trigger or something like that and make it really good and that's how we're going to base the character. Like, don't, for the love of God, do that. It is a terrible design decision. It has almost always backfired. It's worked out okay. You know, I mean, we're we're dealing with Abigail Monat. We dealt with Laura in Season 2. 
it's we can deal with that. It's just not ideal. People don't like losing to that. Uh, most people, uh, they probably enjoy using it. You know, I, I yeah, I, I enjoy using it too. Uh, what am I talking <laughs> about? But it's I, I also get that like I'm cheapening the game for my opponent where it's like, I hey, I have no risk and I just get to throw whatever I want to at you and you can't do anything about it. Ha ha ha. That's not fun. I'm not I'm not really enjoying that. Like I might enjoy it a little bit in the moment, but I think about it. I feel bad. I'm like, ah. So anyway, the case being if a V trigger has a very strong comeback factor with it, if it does a lot of damage, if it, it not not potential, but if it has if it puts you in a lot of great setup situations, it has to be three bars. That is a, the bottom line with it. And then two bar V triggers should um, always be a solid ways below what a two bar offers. And a three bar. Uh, two bar V triggers, yeah. What a, a three bar uh, offers. If I, I hopefully I said that correctly, yeah. Um, anyway, those are there more for uh, utility, and they should still be good and effective, but um, they shouldn't be game breaking. And I'll, I'll throw out a couple examples here uh, of what I mean by good two bar V triggers, and I want to see if people kind of agree with this. Um, one example would be Guile. Um, that's his flash kick V trigger. Uh, most people continue to use his V trigger one right now. It's uh, three bars, and that you know is where he throws sonic booms and gets a lot of very nice setups off of it, and it seems quite good. V trigger two seems to be less powerful and less popular, but it's also two bars, and you. It still also see- does like half your life if you jump at him. <laughs> yes, yeah, and he it's still good. It's still good, but it's not. It's not like Guile is locking you down once he pops his V-Trigger 2 and just destroys you. Um, you're still seeing V-Trigger 1 be more popular because I think most people think it's more powerful. But on that note, do you do you feel that's kind of a good baseline to kind of look at for most players, or most characters in the game, I should say, that um, a 2-bar V-Trigger should be around that power level? Yeah, I think pr- most V-Triggers, in the way that they're designed now, should probably be closer to 3-bars. It's 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 delicate because there's a lot of different ways you could go about this here. But if you try to go two ways at once, you could really screw things up. So yes, I fundamentally agree with you. I think there's some easy. You know, we talked about Manat and Abigail. Those should have three bar V triggers, and they're two currently. And it's like, what are you thinking? And it's like, mm-hmm. well, maybe you couldn't foresee that when you were designing. But now we know. So fine, make the adjustment now. You know, the past is the past. Whatever. Um, but but yeah, I think that. Like I say, I, the the way V-Triggers have become so strong in this game, um, one, I think a big part of it needs to be a valid V-Skill that everyone can use um, mm-hmm. in, in, a, in a way that actually helps their gameplay. Like, I think I think Nikali is very well designed here because you can use his V-Skill on both block and hit, or you can, choose to, you can choose to end combos with it. Instead of taking damage in space, you can end combos with the target combo into V-Skill to build his V-Gauge. One, that adds some depth because you can, you can develop you know, a, a specific part of the character. Instead of going for damage, you go for the potential and getting V-Skill, I mean V-Trigger. I think that's really cool. And I think more skills should work like that to work in tandem with a V-Trigger. So, it, I mean, because that's a really fun part of the game too. It's a little mini game within is to be able to use your V skill effectively in your play. Well, and then there's some characters like like Armika who she pulls it out sometimes, like the microphone thing, and it's cool. It's it's like very much part of her character as it's envisioned in a, in the story. But it's like how often do you get to use that outside of like dropping a combo to to build it up, and then you have to hit a, then you just play your regular game anyways afterwards because you're just trying to hit a, a throw, you know, and so. Some of those are, are just not that great. Birdie's a good one. Birdie can use... He's got a great V-Skill system there. He's got three different options to, mm-hmm. to do three different things, and they all play right into the game that he's trying to play. I think that's wonderful. Um, so, but, but there are certain characters where I think a, a better 
application of their V skill. The idea of perhaps maybe bringing in secondary V skills for different, um, you know, we were talking about evolving the game into like the next entity, maybe maybe other V skills to help complement this system. But the V gauge system is very difficult to deal with right now because a lot hinges on it, but it's so easy to have too much hinge on it. And, and in the way of gameplay itself, in the way of just everything becoming a race to V trigger and that being the deciding factor of everything. And that just takes out that it almost nullifies the rest of the game it makes it too volatile because you're you're putting elements on something that's very 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 powerful and and you're putting too much focus on it and as you say yeah it invalidates too many other aspects of the game so but there might be some people out there listening to us talk about this and saying look like you know um Abigail needs a two-bar V-trigger. So does Monat. Like, what are you guys talking about? You guys are dumb. You know, and, and so what I'll throw out there is imagine Bison um, RG with both two-bar V-triggers. Like, both of those characters' V-trigger ones are very strong. And if they had a two-bar V-trigger, I think those characters would be close to broken. Um, but uh, maybe not broken. Like, that's probably going too far. But yeah, they'd be Nikali. Yeah, they'd be really damn good. Nikali's another great example. And, and But if they started off that way, a lot of people would say, well, you know, they're not winning every tournament. They're not doing this. They're not doing that. They need that. And it's like, ugh. It's, like, it's not that they're winning tournaments. It's it, that they're bringing a, a worthwhile experience to the game and not cheapening it. that's the whole thing exactly and it's this is not designing in the vacuum of just tournament results like those are a factor it's something we need to look at but it's also how much fun people are having while playing the game and not feeling like they've gotten cheated and and if you take bison's v trigger one and made it two bars i'd i'd want to kill capcom i'd be like what are you guys doing that is one of the dumbest things that you could ever have done uh thankfully they didn't do it They, they gave him a three bar v trigger right from the start and i look at something like his um psycho crusher v trigger which is a v trigger two it's two bars it's good. It's got a couple mix-ups in it, but it's not like unbelievably dominant. You can see some great combos with it. You can see some flash. You can see some spark. But I don't run across Bison's using that and ever feel like I got cheated because um, they were using V-Trigger 2. That happens mm-hmm. a lot with V-Trigger 1, but not with V-Trigger 2. It's fairly balanced. It's a good two-bar V-Trigger. Uh, and that's kind of what I'm getting at here. Um, it's it's the, the experience, the the amount of meter that you get needs to to match the reward a little bit more and, and getting away just from two bar V triggers being good, like not, not sorry, um, not good, but great. If it's a great two bar V trigger, you've probably done something wrong. Don't balance around it. Right. Um, so I said earlier, there are a couple of different avenues, a lot of different avenues that are kind of at play here and you want to go down maybe one, but not two at the same time because they can contradict themselves or, or each other rather. But I w- I've been thinking about, so it's V-Trigger, uh, but we also bring up V-Skills, and, and then you also have V-Reversals. And I think the, the whole V-System, it needs to be balanced with the other components of it in mind. Yes. And if we're going towards a potential super uh, or, a, you know, anything, it doesn't matter, I don't care what we call it, but if that's going to be attended to by Capcom, this might potentially serve... Uh, be like a two birds, one stone sort of thing. What if we have V-reversals, right? And people have complained that they're, that the game in itself doesn't have enough defensive options and the V-reversals are too easily countered and they don't really serve their purpose, especially when you compare them to alpha counters, which were much more effective. And you you know, you know got what you were going for there. You spent the meter to, to get them off you and you would indeed get them off of you. What if we up the ante with V-reversals? We made them cost two meter, so two bars of, okay. of V-gauge, 
Uh, so it really mattered. Like if you're going for V trigger and you are are being beaten down, and you know if you're you're essentially either you're going for V trigger to get that comeback potential, or you're using V reversal to stop the momentum. But that's like you pick one or the other, and and there you go. There's some depth to the game because you have to either take this route or that route. But it takes two bars of V trigger gauge, and then it's it. But it's for sure it gets you if it's an escape V trigger. It like has you roll invincibly away from the opponent and you're for sure going to get away if it's a if it's a hit v trigger it's an, it's instant and it knocks them back giving you breathing room it does what it's supposed to do but it costs two bars so i think that one that gives players a whole new way to approach the game because right now a lot of v trigger or a lot of v reversals are like eh, i could but it's so much better to use v trigger that i'm probably not going to do that or if I do, it's like, well, what if they have a setup and Rashid neutral jumps me and then he just comes down for a full combo plus I spent gauge, you know, to mm-hmm. do that. Like, that right. sucks really bad. Or someone reads, I, I read people all the time where it's like, uh, you know, if I'm if I'm playing my character who just rushes down all the time and they're getting close to stun, like, I'm like, okay, well, they're probably going to try to use V-reversal because it gets rid of some of their stun bar. I'm just going to jab throw. And, and so many times it's like they've spent that bar and they got nothing for it and they got hit for it. So it's like you, you're fixing the defensive problem a little bit. You're making players think further about how they want to go about using this meter. And you're also you know, making V reversals more effective in general. So hmm. that might be a, an avenue to go. Now, now, maybe that also presents some major problem that I'm completely overlooking right now. But that's one potential avenue to go down. You see, I, I don't feel like V-reversals are that bad in the grand scheme of things. Um, I just think that V-triggers are that good that people don't want to risk using a V-reversal at all. Um, and again, this this does help offset that a little bit where you're making you know V-reversals even better than they were before. Um, but you're pretty much throwing V-triggers out the, out the door at that point because building four bars of V-gauge for most characters um, so you can even activate a V-trigger afterwards is really hard. Well, but, uh, and five but you bars have is, two bar oof. characters that are getting two v triggers again around you know yep. it does happen especially especially abigail with as much life as he has yeah but but yeah and then this also compounds that you'd want to have v skills that player that characters can use um you know so that the only means of getting v meter or v gauge is not getting hit like you right. have an other way of doing that that's that's valid for all characters you know, I do think the game could use an extra defensive mechanic, just a little bit something more to, to throw people off. And this is an interesting suggestion. Like if there's some way of throwing it out there and actually having it be worthwhile, uh, that's really the crux of the argument is, you know, we could talk all day about what might work good on paper and in practice is can be such a different story. Uh, it's it's mm-hmm. like what happened with, with Vega in season 2.5, I think. Uh, everyone was raving about the buffs he got and he ended up being like probably worse than he was uh, even in season <laughs> yes. two. And it's just you know it's it's hard to say and i mean again i don't envy the job that capcom has but i do like your suggestion it is interesting that the you take a mechanic that's there in v reversals and you get like a super v reversal or whatever and so maybe like this one is like forward um i know some characters have this already you know their v reversals kicks but you make it universally like one bar is the punch one so you keep what's already there and then you can do a two bar v reversal with like kicks basically mm-hmm. um and and that would you know like it's a way of having like almost a guaranteed way i think you have to have some kind of counter to it like some way of blowing it up maybe you know you can whiff punish it but it's hard to do um it it would i I, i'm not a big fan of like completely unstoppable moves like are completely unstoppable things that just have no counters at all like i think those should generally be avoided in fighting games but make it really hard to do and I, i think you'd have something there yeah 
Yeah, because it maybe maybe the ground the groundwork the base approach is to think about the V system as a whole. So mm-hmm. to keep in mind the the gauge the uh, the V trigger the V reversal and the uh, the V skill and have them all be constantly working in tandem with each other. Have them all in mind when you're balancing one, and um, and I think that that's a very good uh, square one to go from because. It seems like some characters that was pretty obviously the case in their design, but other characters, it's like, why is that there? That does not contribute to any other part of this character. It just kind of exists in a vacuum. And in the worst scenarios, it's like a really strong part of the character that doesn't contribute to anything else. So it's like you're playing against Abigail, and then you're playing against Abigail in V-Trigger 1, and it's two different games, and it's oftentimes the only one that matters is the Abigail in V-Trigger 1. That may be a bit of an overstatement, but you get where I'm coming from. Right. And so... Uh, since we're talking more about the general changes and general approaches than specific, I think that that would be my general approach to the V system is to just make sure that you're thinking of all different aspects and how they work with each other when you're designing things. Nice, nice. Uh, so I do have a couple questions here for you um, in terms of current V triggers that are two bars and are they are they properly balanced there like with where they're at? And, and what I'm, I'll throw at you is a uh, cami. Now, I personally don't feel like Cami wins a lot of the time, you know, based on her V-Trigger. It's a helpful tool for her, but I don't look at it like, you know, like I do a Bison or an Abigail or a Minot where it's, mm-hmm. she's winning primarily because her V-Trigger. Uh, and this is her V-Trigger 1, not her V-Trigger 2. Um, how, where do you feel like that move stacks up right now in the grand scheme of things? Like, would you keep it two bars or is that something that you would adjust? First off, I think the little buff that they gave to it where she can continue to follow it up was not necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that if she were a character that were, wasn't amazing, then sure, buffing her V-Trigger would be appropriate. But like you're kind of getting to already, she wins with so many other tools that the V-Trigger is just a cherry on top oftentimes um, where she can use it to more so to, to make a, an unsafe move safe or or something like that and then or just tack on some extra damage to the end of something. I do think that it's a relatively good well-designed V-Trigger as it stands right now, it probably gets a little bit overshadowed and people might have an initial knee-jerk reaction to what I just said and go, you can't say that. Cammy's so broken and overpowered. And you're like, yeah, but I don't think it's just because of her V-Trigger. Right. I think that one, it, it makes sense for her as a character, the way that it works. And then it, it like she can't just do it willy-nilly, even though they, they tend to do it willy-nilly anyway, like doing a random cannon spike from the ground because you can still hit her, right? So it's like she can't just do it. Um, and and she she oftentimes has to use it to tack on extra damage to what she's already doing. And it's like, yeah, that's scary because you're talking about Cammy, but Cammy needs to have a V trigger. This makes sense for Cammy, and I think it's pretty well balanced. Like you're saying, it's not usually the deciding factor. I mean, it very well can be, right? But it's not you know it's not robbery character from season two deciding factor or Abigail right now deciding factor. I think that. It's kind of weird to say it, but Cammy, this part of Cami is pretty balanced as it is. I wouldn't be upset if they took away the fact that she, it gets even more utility this time around. Right. But I think that Cami is probably going to see the nerf bat a little bit, so that might not even be a thing anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so yeah. But as as far as answering your broader question there, yeah, I think it's it's pretty pretty good at where it stands. I wanted to give people a, a frame of mind of kind of what we're looking at in terms of what we think is okay and what's not. But 
and I think Cammy is a good example there with her V Trigger One. Uh, now to throw out some controversial ones though, and just kind of see where you feel they're at, like in terms of overall power and if they should be adjusted. Um, and any of these that jump out at you uh, of, of the three of them um, are Mika's V Trigger One, uh, where she has her tag team partner jump in at you and she gets some great setups off of it. Uh, Abuki's V Trigger Two, where she throws a giant ninja star at you and it comes back. And then Yurian's V Trigger One. Do you those feel like any of those? Two, tri- two, two bar? Uh, two bars. Uh, Mika's V-Trigger 1 is a two bar, and then Ibuki's V-Trigger 2 is a two bar. Yurian's V-Trigger 1, the Aegis Reflector, is a three bar. Okay, okay. Um, so let's start with the easiest one. Ibuki's, uh, we've seen so much utility out of that move. Mm-hmm. Um, I, this kind of goes back to where I was saying I think most characters should be having three bar V-Triggers. I think that should be mostly the standard with a few maybe exceptions. Um, Ibuki is, is, is just so good because she can use it for whiff punishes. It's a single input. People kind of forget about that. But, yep. like, if you watch, um, we watched yesterday on Best of Five a breakdown of Fujimura versus, uh, I think it was Problem X's Abigail. And she just stood outside of, of Abigail's ranges and did V skill to build her V trigger until she had V trigger. And then Problem X whiffs a punch and, he, and Fujimura punishes it with V trigger. And we've seen him do that so many times. It's a single input. It's not even like a command. It's like an uppercut from Ed or from Falk. And you mm-hmm. know how good those characters are with, with their anti airs. Um, it's very easy to do. And then it, it can essentially, <laughs> you can convert it from anywhere on the screen if it hits. Even if it doesn't hit, you got your opponent in a block mix up where you, know, you as a Buki, a very mobile, can go high or low, uh, left or right. Um, it's a very, very versatile one. And for her to get that two, twice in a round, nah. So I think that that should absolutely go up to three bars, no questions asked. Armika, or well, was there any more you wanted no, to tack on? Yeah, Armika, yeah. I'm just, I'm just curious. Like, Armika's now, she's very controversial here because she's a grappler who does not struggle as much as many other characters to get in on you. And one of the big reasons for that is her V-Trigger 1 because her teammate comes in and flies in from whatever angle you want her to and and puts you in a block stun situation where you've got to hold a mix-up from her at that point See, and comes in at two bars. Yeah, Mika is one of those characters that I feel... I, she was one of the characters that when I started writing that article that I never actually published about um, poorly designed characters, and I didn't feel it was quite right to say that she was poorly designed, but I don't think her design is quite there yet. So it's somewhere between poor and and adequate. Maybe it's closer to adequate now, especially with a lot of the changes that she's seen over the, uh, the last two and a half years or three years. But her V-Trigger is very versatile. Um, and, and yes, to an extent, grapplers do become straight-up mix-up characters. So how do you balance that? They need to earn their way to those mix-ups. So it's like, yes, once they're in your face or once they're where they want to be, you're going to have to hold it. And the, the, op- the, the advantage is very much in their favor. So how do you counter that? The advantage isn't in their favor as they try to get there. Mika, in her neutral, like she, she does a lot of... You watch Fudo play, and Fudo's pretty patient. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fudo will wait for for like you to whiff something, and then he'll, he'll hit, and he'll get in. And so Mika can be played that way to a certain extent. And I think that's what also kind of holds up the fact that she's not just poorly designed. But 
you go online, you play your, your run-of-the-mill everyday Mika, and you're quickly going to find that they're just using very unsafe things willy-nilly, uh, especially back when the input lag was more of a factor, to get in your face. And it's like they weren't very honest in their approach in neutral. And Mika's not known for having good neutral. She doesn't have great neutral. Right. She has a lot of unsafe things or guessy things. But the fact that she can cut her jump short and do the splash attack, and if you go for an anti-air, she gets crushed counter and she's in. Like, that's... That's stupid to me. Mm-hmm. Like, because, uh, I mean, there is a certain sense of, well, you have to kind of guess. Uh, you have to read your opponent. And, like, if they've jumped three times and then they do that, it's like, well, you've conditioned them. Sure. But at the end of the day, it's like a jump in. And the way jumps work in Street Fighter, I, I don't think you should really be able to manipulate your jumps that much. And dive kicks are their own thing. Oh, yeah. I, was, I, I had these giant, like, flashing words of dive kick. Yes, like, dive oh, kicks right. are their own thing. Well, yeah, well, um, well, and, I've, and I've complained about it before with Cammy being able to cut jump short and things along that nature. And Nikali has one, too, but you can usually still DP him if you, if you just, you know, you stay at the right, um, if you do it at the right time. It kind of makes the timing harder. But Mika flat out goes from uh, a jumping arc straight down. Um, the other thing is she can do her slide, which is unsafe, but if you hey, if you're not blocking, it can crush counter you or knock you down and you she's in. Or she can use it and then just straight up cancel into V trigger and hey, you've got a full on Mika, you know, V trigger uh, mix up in your face right now. Um, and then of course the drop kick. So she's got a lot of like weird dishonest ways where she likes to just like throw the cards up in the air to try to distract you and then hope that they come down in her favor. And and at that point you start to get into like, well, that's not you analyzing me and me analyzing you it's it's you guessing and me guessing and hopefully it goes in my favor and i'm not here to do that right mm-hmm. um and so that all kind of is augmented or or um yeah augmented by her v trigger she can like i said use it to one make some of those avenues in safe but also like she can activate and then you have to worry about Nadeshko coming in and then she can use that to get in your face and she as a grappler has tools that once she's in uh, she becomes very scary and so she's right there on the border of not being designed very well how do you fix that it probably has a you probably have to go pretty deep into the tweaks it's not just like a little thing here or there honestly uh, I've I've thought about Mika a good bit because um she, uh, you run across her quite a bit in ranked, and you mm. see very quickly the amount of people playing her with the uh, hope this works, and mm-hmm. you know accepting the the risk reward of the character being like, hey, if it works, I kill you. If it doesn't work, well, you hit me back a few times, but I'm still gonna just kind of keep hitting my head against this wall, and not really learning from it. And it's it's not a fun experience for anyone involved, in my opinion. That's not how Street Fighter is played. Um, other games might be played a little bit more, you know lack lack of um thoughtful approach but street fighter you're supposed to have some footsies you're supposed to have some like adjustments and whatnot you're doing more of and i get you know mika kind of breaks that a little bit but so one of the ways i would i would fix that is actually i'd tone down her damage a good bit especially for her um her reward for getting in is too strong right now considering how good her mobility is and and that will that will lessen the mika's kind of like hoping for the best and throwing stuff against the wall and hoping it sticks because now the reward for being um the the risk for being wrong is much stronger because she doesn't have the giant reward for getting in one time and and i think that her damage is just a little bit out of alignment for what she has to do to get in um again i i I think a lot of other grapplers struggle a a hell of a lot more than she does to even you know approach characters she has so many different ways in that she can just kind of go for and and if you're going to give that to someone like a grappler that makes you guess you can't give them that big of damage 
So if you tell any Mika player ever that, that and, I, and I don't disagree with you, I think that that would technically in the realm of risk-reward be an appropriate move for her, but you tell any Mika player, I think that we should tone down Mika's damage, uh, I almost guarantee you all of them are going to go, that's crazy, I can barely win as it is, if you take away my damage, it's like I'm not even going to be, I'm, not, I'm definitely not going to be having fun playing this game, and I'm not uh, going to see much go, fruit. Go play a character that takes intelligence well, to play. Well, and there's yeah. the thing, yeah, go, there's the thing, yeah. and that's one of the avenues that leads me into saying this character isn't designed very well, because if you were going to reduce her damage, and again, I agree that that would, that would, that would be a positive move towards the risk-reward balance of her, but you'd have to give her something else because she relies so heavily on this goofy kind of BS approach in in some respects or, or often relies so heavily on it that she would become, she would start to fall apart as a character if she didn't have she these would. things. And so she's she would, based yeah. around stupid stuff. And that's where I was kind of getting at. It's the same thing with Abigail. It's you you hear players say like, oh, well, he needs this and all that. It's uh, the classic Cyrax thing in Mortal Kombat 9. He I actually needs... cited that in that article that I didn't write. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, he needs this infinite. And it's like, okay, that is really bad design choices that the developers have made to make the character only viable if he can win with infinites. And that is not fun for anyone where if someone has the execution, um, they kill you if they hit you one time. That's, that's not good. You know, that's, that's not good game design. You need to get away from that and make the game again. It's, it's fine to have characters who break that a little bit and and, and who play outside of those norms that you just shouldn't feel as cheated if they do it. And damn it, I'll go back to this example because we use it a lot, but Zangief in Street Fighter 4, he could cheat you, but most people felt like, hey, he got in, he beat me, he outplayed me. Like, I get it. Like, he got me, and that's all right. And Zangief is very much a character who could okie you to death in Street Fighter 4, but he was well-balanced in that he really had to work to get in and get that position in many cases. Not all cases, but many cases. Uh, it was it was harder for Zangief to random you out in that game. Right, and so that's why I kind of got back to that idea of if I were going to change her, I think that the answer answer is is honestly in a in a pretty decently big redesign of how the character works because how she's designed right now if you make a small tweak on the surface like reducing her damage i think that that's going to lead to other problems very quickly um so it's a it's a tight spot that the capcom kind of has themselves in and and again the games that we're, we're talking about this as a negative and it is but it's not breaking the game right it's more of just making the experience better with with these characters and against these characters where the risk reward is just more thought out and balanced and so if you really want to put the time into it like instead of doing a, a whole nother um you know story mode maybe maybe taking the time to really pick apart and reconstruct a character like Armika in a way where she's still familiar to those that play her, but she plays with a more rewarding and honest and efficient style um, would be much better for the game than Watership 2.0. And it's this is not unique to Mika or other things. Like there's a bunch of elements in the game that just have too much reward for the risk involved with them. And a quick example is actually I ran across an Akuma player um, uh, in ranked match and he kept doing crouch heavy punch like he was out of ideas and it was like it was a silver or gold ranked you know Akuma player um, mm. and it was like you know the, uh, like round two I think it was I'd run the first won the first round and, and he again it was he, right in the middle of the screen all of a sudden he started doing crouch heavy punch just so people know that's a plus three on block crush counter move that can crush counter you in neutral Akuma gets a very nice follow up if he hits it um he had no other ideas so he started spamming it and it worked and and it worked for one round and i came back and beat him the next one and and one and went on my you know win streak whatever It, it was it was fine but it's like that shouldn't happen 
overall. That should not be an option where you're out of ideas and uh, an actual viable route, something that you can do is, is mash crouch heavy punch over and over again that can actually get you somewhere. You know, and, and when you have a move that has that much range and is plus three on block and crush counters, your your risk reward is, is just too far out of whack there. He, he There's no reason for Akuma pretty much to not do that. Yeah, you can jump in on him. You can do some other stuff, but it's just way too advantageous for what it is to do that move. And that's Absolutely. the kind of stuff we're talking about. Rashid's got it. Nikali's got it. Manat's got it. Uh, Abigail, any of the top tiers have got moves like that um, that really have issues. Uh, and it's we're trying to get rid of those. We're trying to. We're not just trying to pick on you know Mika and Rashid all the time or whomever. Like and, and even some of the lower tier characters, like like Alex, Alex's V Trigger. Uh, I actually think he's a character who's very stupidly designed because he's designed seemingly around his V Trigger one being really good and really robbery. Like with Alex, when he pops his V Trigger one, he he does a parry, uh, and the parry he, he, like you just hold the button and if someone hits and then you know it, he just pops them. And and there's no skill involved with it he's just doing it and if you do the wrong thing like you don't throw him or his timing is a little bit tricky like there's there's no reads very much to it it's just it's pretty much complete advantage and he hopes it works and he just kind of throws it out there without much thought and I go back to the, I wrote an article on that about a year ago or so saying that Alex is indeed a bad character and he needs buffs but his V trigger is poorly designed the yes. way it works and um and and I guess my argument there was more so that you have this whole risk reward system that's established in Street Fighter V, and then, or in Street Fighter in general, but specifically in Street Fighter V. And then he has this move where um, it's it's actually not even that good, but it still detracts from the risk reward in a way that just kind of takes all the rules and the things that you've been working towards and throws them out the window for for um, for a while, and then also you know grants him huge damage off of silly guesses where he can cancel moves that were previously unsafe that you've now been training your fingers and your reactions to punish and 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 then the, he goes into the parry right and uh, and so it's I, I think that Alex needs buffs and he needs to yes. be better designed oh, but yeah. I think the way his V trigger one works it's not even it's not even as oppressive as most other V triggers that we're going to complain about but I still don't think it's well designed I think it's just kind of lazily there and it just it's not even lazy it just wasn't well thought out yep. again it's a situation where you go okay well past is the past but let's move forward and make it better let's make the character better and let's make his his interaction more worthwhile as opposed to i'm going to it's same thing with like with like um karen's v trigger 2 where she just basically does the the strategy that if, if you ever use that v trigger you fight a karen they'll just do a lot of the moves like sweep or something like that that are very obviously unsafe mm-hmm. and then you're programmed to punish them but when you go to punish them um she cancels those unsafe moves into her counter v trigger and it, like it'll work a few times and then they'll start doing it and you won't push a button and then you'll crush counter them and it's like okay that was very cheap and and surface level and now it's like it it just it doesn't add a lot to the game it doesn't add a lot to the mental back and forth it's like at the most you're gonna make me hesitate to punish your 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 unsafe moves but it's not gonna net much of a of a good competitive interaction beyond that depending on the matchup. I do remember a big history here because it was talked about with Street Fighter 3 Third Strike where counter supers were pretty much like the worst thing ever. And there was a much ado about them being added to um, Street Fighter 4, Ultra Street Fighter 4. Uh, some characters had counter ultras. Fei Long was one of them. 
and yeah, Faye and Cammy. Uh, um, it's uh, it became a, a thing, and then all of a sudden, Faye Long pulls it out in the Viper matchup, and all of a sudden, Viper's crazy rush down. It just gives her enough pause and enough things, and and sometimes you wouldn't even use it, but just the threat of it being there caused some issues. And I, oh, I agree. Certainly, yeah. if you're it's, using it in that respect, where yeah. it's like you have to know that I could just do this, like in your jump in that hits from all angles, or mm-hmm. say the character has that kind of a thing. Well, this shuts down all of those, and right. all of a sudden you have to think more. That's viable. For sure. But the way that it's so often used and implemented yeah. is, well, unsafe move, but hey, did you try to punish? Because there's yeah. all your life into super. And it's like, well, great. I'm glad I spent, you know, five minutes of my life doing that for that experience, <laughs> for that climax. Yeah. And in, in, in Karen's, I mean, in the defense of that move, like you could crush counter Karen, like right after she whiffs it, you know. So if you know it's coming, just crush counter her and kill her. Right. Like, or you just punish yeah. with, a, with a throw or yeah. something like that. It, like it's, it's, it's there's, there's good, obvious counters to it, you know, um, that are, that are, you can read and react to them, you know, pretty well. Uh, but yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So, and, and there are, there are uh, certainly other instances there, but I think we're getting pretty close to, to time here. Yeah, I think um, we are. So <laughs> if there is anything else that you directly want to bring up, like I could complain about Bison's dashes and V trigger one and, yeah, and, and Rashid's yeah. and yeah, sure. <laughs> and, and like the way Rashid goes off the walls or, or oftentimes yep. pos- is positioned at the perfect distances after his blocks or his like, or for a tech throw to do, like his forward heavy punch, and they're just kind of goofy freebies. I think that there are little things like that that could be tweaked and made the game better. I guess I would just put those all under um, the trap moves that I've talked about before. Yeah. Um, but again, I do want to reiterate that I, I think that Street Fighter V is in a very good place. I think that it's been a long and winding road, and I've been very happy with the effort that Capcom has obviously made as of late. It's not a perfect game, but it is uh, much more the game that we were hoping it would be, and, and I got to thank them from, I mean, there's there's a certain novelty of the fact that they started so far behind and they've caught up. Yeah. And and so I appreciate that. And then we've talked so negatively about Capcom because they've screwed up in a lot of different ways. Um, Infinite and, you know, Street Fighter V's beginnings and whatnot. But they have turned it around in a lot of ways. And so, again, we're, we're talking about critiquing and such, but I but I think that it's more of a if it's more of a sanding down rough edges at this point, as opposed to uh, this thing is gonna sink unless we do something really quick, do some emergency you know editing and such. And so thank you for for the game that we have now. Hopefully it gets even better, and, and I'm excited for 2019. Yep, me too. And I'll just end it here with a very quick story of uh, I used to play Warcraft three quite a bit here. That was a game by Blizzard, real time strategy game. Uh, I remember a number of players complaining about. I think it was like a sorcerers and priests they had like a magic attack that would basically rip through a bunch of the troops and and was just way too good they had too much utility and too many other things and blizzard went back they're notorious for this and, and i think they rebalanced like the entire game uh, and and gave them like a um a brand new i'm probably got my some of my wires crossed here so warcraft three players like please forgive me but the 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 whole point of this is that they listened to fan feedback like the fans kind of united and said like hey like the, this is too powerful. We need something that fixes this. Like collectively, no one's enjoying this experience, or not enough people are enjoying this experience. I should say, uh, and it could be better. And and they, they kind of had a united front there. And Capcom does listen to the community's feedback, and it's it's one of the things that you know. Now that we've finally gotten all the other you know um, elephants out of the room, we can start really you know examining some of the, the the aspects of the game that are just too volatile, too messed up, and and really help Capcom see like, hey, like V triggers 
they're fun. A lot of people love them. They're great. Like, just don't make them so damn powerful anymore. Like, they they really, they can just rob you blind. And, and no one, if, if everyone's V-triggers are somewhat normalized, I don't think people are really going to complain about it, like, in a year or two, like, from now. It's like, oh, well, that was probably a good design choice. Like, thank you for not, like, robbing me every, you know, every time I, you know, go, go up against, like, a Monot player and she throws 50 billion orbs at me. And I, I couldn't do anything except for guess right every time, you know. And it's, that's not fun for players. And and so let's let's dial that back a little bit. Let's let's get that risk reward in there. Help Capcom hear this stuff. That's why we do this pod. Um, is we're trying to you know help the the community level up. We're trying to help ourselves level up and, and talk about this stuff. If you guys listen to our last few episodes, you'll you'll hear uh, an evolution of our conversations here, where we started off complaining about you know Manat, Abigail, Nikali, you know all of our mains and whatnot, and then it evolved into. Man, we're looking at this stuff in a vacuum. We're looking at this stuff and not thinking about, you know, poor Scrub Boy 15 who's out there playing, you know, Jury and he's got no hope. And, you know, he just, he looks at the game and he cries every day because his character sucks so bad and he's got to deal with, you know, Monat every single time. And it's like, yeah, that sucks. Like, let's, let's evolve past that. And so we're trying to do the same thing. And, and so, you know, reach out to us. Um, if, if you guys ever have feedback on this, um, you know, try to level up yourselves as well. Um, and and then let's try to get this information out in front of Capcom to help them adapt to it. Uh, they do listen, Blizzard listen to their fans. Um, these game companies do care. It's just the, the signal to noise ratio can be very hard to decipher and, and figure out what to do. And as much as we can kind of figure this out for them, since we play these games so much and we love them so much, it will help the process and make everyone's lives better. Good note to end on then. All right, guys, that's everything we've got for this week. Once again, thank you for listening. Uh, we really appreciate it. We're going to be at Capcom Cup here very soon. Uh, and so stay tuned for that. You guys can follow us at Twitter at Catalyst EH and Velociraptor and just replace the I with a one and you will find both of us. So we will see you guys soon. All right. Take it easy, guys.